Hola, y bienvenidos de regreso a Las Voces de Chandler, the podcast. This is your host, Melina Zuniga, and estoy muy excited, como diría Selena, to welcome you to a very special episode of this podcast. Now, all episodes are special, but today, our contributors and friends from the city's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office are going to be taking this episode over during Hispanic Heritage Month to talk to you about their initiative, Chandler Contigo. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unapologetically Diverse Podcast Takeover. We are the staff of, from the City of Chandler's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office. Hola, amigos. Bienvenidos a Las Voces de Chandler, the podcast. Estamos muy emocionados de estar aquí. My name is Nikki Tapia. Yo soy Cici Cantabrana de la Oficina de Diversidad, Equidad, e Inclusión. Hi, everybody. My name is Cisco Lucenia. I'm here excited to be part of the team. Hey, y'all. It's Rory. I'm also with the DEI office. Yes, and we are taking over this podcast during Hispanic Heritage Month because we have so many activities and we want to talk to you about all of the things that we are doing in Chandler. But before we get to that point, what is the Unapologetically Diverse podcast? Rory, can you help us out? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we're, we've been working on this for a while. We're very excited about it. Similar, if some of you have ever seen our video series, People of Chandler, we want to take those unique stories um, that exist within our community with people of all different backgrounds, no matter you know their gender, their the color of their skin, where they came from, no matter who it is, what experiences they've been through, we want to highlight their stories and just share those with the community so that we can all feel connected. And I feel like people don't even realize how diverse Chandler is. No way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even working on this project, I'm blown away. I've grown up in this community my whole life and I'm like, this exists, what? <laughs> and we really, I think our office really just paints diversity with a really broad brush. Like you mentioned all those categories. It's not just ethnicity, it's age, it's faith, it's so many different things. Well, the reason why we are here and why we're do doing this takeover is because September 15th through October 15th is National Hispanic Heritage Month. And so Cisco, why don't you share what you're, we're doing in Chandler? Absolutely. So as I'm sure everyone knows, we have a month planned of different types of events. And we really wanted to show the residents of Chandler and really every diverse community that we're here for them, we're here with them, and we'll continue to do whatever we can to connect with, with people and our residents. So we created a curriculum known as Chandler Contigo, Chandler with you. And just as, as diverse as the community of Chandler is, we wanted to recognize the diversity in the Hispanic culture as well. There's 33 countries in Latin America, and we have a representative of every single country in Chandler, and we wanted to do our best to hold events to do that. So throughout the month, we're holding different events all throughout different areas of Chandler, east, west, north, and south. We're doing some family events with library staff at the Chandler Museum. We're hosting huge carnivals and festivals with each other, and we did kickoffs. And what I think is cool about Contigo, I know we're going to go through all of the events, but what's cool is that they are in different areas around the city. So we're not just focusing in downtown Chandler. Absolutely, yeah. So our first event with Chandler Contigo was the kickoff. Super fun, very exciting in downtown Chandler. Um, lots of people coming through and we just had a DJ out there. We um, had some pastries out from El Sol Bakery, shout out, because they were delicious. <laughs> and then Mexican sodas. And we invited the community to just come join us, kind of 
meet each other, chat a little bit, learn about all the events that are happening for Contigo. Had some Latin jams, as I would say. Um, the DJ was amazing. Uh, and just really got to celebrate together to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month as a community. And that was fun. I mean, if you ever go to downtown Chandler, you could drive by and you hear those Latin jams going. And all of us, I think, busted a move. Oh, I know absolutely. my age. Oh, I'm I, showing my I age did. of that. But. I did, <laughs> oh, oh, we did. We did. <laughs> yeah, I decided to spare the, the residents and not bust a move. <laughs> but I was happy to be there. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And everyone got a chance to show their moves should they choose. But that was a really great kickoff. And it was really, really fun downtown Chandler. Great way to kick off the month. So what else is going on, Cisco? Do you have anything else that's going on? Yeah, we just had the Galveston Community Festival. And, you know, Chandler Contigo is all about recognizing the significance of the culture, but it's also recognizing the significance of the community. And one of the most significant and impactful Latino communities um, in the entire East Valley was the Galveston community. So we were very lucky uh, to be able to partner with, with a lot of the residents there at the Galveston community and hold just a large community festival. We had vendors and food and performers. We had mariachi groups, Latin guitar bands. Uh, we had Instituto Folklorio out there. But I will say my favorite part of the event was just the absolute diversity in the food. Uh, it was so good. I mean, I felt like I went on a tour of entire Latin America. I was too full. I probably went up a shirt size, but you know, it was worth it uh, to be in that to be in that whole environment. And hey, Cisco, is it true that Tony Alcala from Galveston, who is the principal there, he used to go to Galveston? Is that correct? He did. So the current principal, the leader in that community right now, is someone who understands the needs, the values, and the desires of that community themselves. Tony Alcala, who's been a wonderful partner of the city and of this event, you know, really took a really took a leadership role in planning this event with us. He was there on the event. He gave some great remarks, and you know, he was happy and open to see to see us as a city engaging with not just his students, but his community as it is. What Cisco didn't mention, he reached out and actually got the chance to talk to Tony. Here's how that conversation went. I would just like to hear a little bit about your history in education and your history specifically education in Chandler. Well, uh, my history in education, uh, I'm a product of Chandler schools, Chandler Unified Schools, Chandler High School, went to state in town, went to Arizona State University. I got an elementary education degree, substitute taught in Chicago, but uh, knew I wanted to be back here. And so coming back, I wasn't able to get a job in Chandler right away. I went to Phoenix and I taught in central Phoenix for seven years. After seven years in Phoenix, I got a position here back in Chandler. Uh, but being back in Chandler, being back home, being with my family, it just it felt so good. Moved over to Bogle Junior High School where I went back to teaching junior high. Dean of Students position uh, in the district at a middle school prep school, Arizona College of Prep, and uh, got an opportunity to be a dean and athletic director there for three years, just right up the road next to Chandler High School. And uh, after three years, there was an opportunity in that same school for principalship. My mentor, Jason Phillips, uh, moved over to Castile High School. And so I took that opportunity and I applied and I saw an open door, walked through it and was fortunate enough to be chosen to be the new principal of Arizona College Prep Middle School. So I was the principal there for three years. Late last year, I heard that the principal of Galveston Elementary School, I heard that she had announced her retirement. And so I immediately, like my heart started pounding. So I just thought, well, that may, this might be something that I need to pursue. 
although I absolutely loved and appreciated what I was doing at ACP, I just felt that there was something here that uh, was calling me. Obviously, it's in my neighborhood. My dad still lives two blocks away. Uh, I applied for the position. I was able to move over to Galveston Elementary School, my old elementary school, where I was a student for a couple of years. I started here this uh, July, and it's been uh, three months. It's been fantastic, and uh, we're having a, a, a lot of fun. You are, for all intents and purposes, you know, a leader within that community. So how mm-hmm. is that? How is that? You know, shift in role from being a student and a member of that community to now being a leader of students and the community. I want to say that there, there's a different level of pressure. You know, as a teacher, as a leader in a community at a, at a school, you, you have students come to you every single day, and you are educating. You know, we're educating our youth, right? But when you're in your old neighborhood or your own neighborhood where you know people in the community, you grew up with people, you have family members, there's an extra layer of expectation. So sometimes I drive to work like, all right, I got, I have to be my best. I've got to be my best every yeah. single day because I'm here for my former neighbors and my uh, family members and their kids. And so you're always wanting to do something better. And you always mm-hmm. want to do something more because there is that level of representation as well, right? I am representing my own community and my own school. So I put the pressure on myself. And moving forward and how it's going to progress is just we're going to do our best and we're going to try to keep pumping positivity out there and grow our reputation so people are talking about us here in Galveston and in Chandler. Love hearing that. Love hearing that. How important is it in your eyes and in the eyes of the, your students and your community the institutions like the city, the school district, and the school itself, you know, engage with populations that might be disadvantaged or populations that just surround the community. How important is that level of engagement? The engagement is very important. There's got to be a a part, a real true partnership because communities like our community, we're very proud. We want to represent. We want people to see us in a good light, to see our communities in a good light. And our institutions, in many ways, reflect the community. And so if our communities are not are seeing something different in the neighborhood that is compared to what is portrayed uh, on TV and social media, then that disconnect can really lead to a sense of disrespect. We want to be proud of something. We want to wear that Cardinals jersey on Sunday because, hey, go Cards, and we're Arizona all the way. Well, that's how we feel in our own communities about our institutions, our schools. And so we want to belong, and we want to represent where we come from. And so I think that's powerful. And and if institutions, community organizations extend a hand so we are locking and connecting and growing together, uh, I think it just makes us even stronger as a community, as a family base, and um, as a society overall. I think that's amazing. And shout out to Tony. Yes, thank you so much, Tony. And I have to say, the folklorico dancers are always one of my favorite parts. Their bright dresses are beautiful, and I need Gloria to give me some lessons. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, you know, what's what's huge for me is seeing the young children dancing because I know sometimes you feel like culture gets lost in the younger generations. So the fact that Gloria is very young herself and continuing that education and then wanting to share it with the community at large is just amazing. So glad that they're a partner. So let's talk food because Cisco, you brought it up a little bit. But the variety of food there was huge. 
Oh, it was absolutely wonderful. We had Latin barbecue with some brisket tacos and sandwiches out there. We had a Colombian food company out there giving us some South American corn pupusas. We had an El Salvadorian food truck, a Venezuelan vendor. We had uh, Paletas Betty, who's a local Chandler uh, business here in downtown, going out there and selling us some cool and refreshing paletas. And we also had some elote, which is my personal favorite. Having me some elote and rochata, I wish I could have gone back if the lines weren't so long and so enjoyable. But there is there is really any type of any type of Latin culture, any type of Latin Latin food that you would want. We had it there, and I was I was just so excited to to try and to see that. Right, right. Rory, what about you and Cece? What was your favorite? Ooh, I have to say I have like a huge weak spot for elotes. I mean, I think it's like the the Nacho Libre uh, movie was really impactful in my life. <laughs> seeing those elotes on screen, I was like, man, this is what I need in my life. So what about you, Cece? You know, I really like the Colombian food. I have never had Colombian food in my life. And so to have that come out and, you know, represent that community, um, I really enjoyed the Colombian food. So shout out to Antojitos Colombianos for that. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. And I love that we had this event, like Cisco mentioned, in the middle of Galveston. So the families could just come out and this really meant a lot to the community. And I think all of us are very proud that we got to hold this event. Yeah, Cece, what did your son think about it? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my son now wants to join Folklorico, so yes. I have to talk to Gloria about getting him involved. He's like, I don't care if I'm the only boy there. I want to do it. So, you know, it's good It's good because I used to dance Folklorico when I was a kid, so seeing that come around full circle is kind of amazing. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> What's next? What's next, Rory? Oh, man, I don't even know what's next. <laughs> There's so many things happening. Oh, wait, I remember. It is the Asian Moon Fest. The what? The what? <laughs> <laughs> the yes, how? you heard me. What is the Asian Moon Festival You heard doing? me correctly. <laughs> we have a two-day Asian Moon Fest. It actually just happened last weekend, um, October 1st and 2nd at Tumbleweed. Very interesting. Uh, the Asian community, it's right now, is very, it's a celebration celebratory time for them. The Moon Fest is like a lantern festival and it's about good fortune and our Asian community reached out to our Latino community and they said, hey, would you like to join us in this event? So it's become a hybrid Asian slash Latino event. So Saturday was really focused on the Asian community. A lot of great performers, Serenity, which is a, a local group. And then on Sunday became a Latino group like a whole stage show of performers. So it was really kind of cool to see diversity in action at the Asian Moon Fest. And I love that it was like the initiative of the communities themselves. It was them reaching out to each other and saying like, hey, do you know what would be cool? <laughs> if we came together and made this happen and brought um, our different cultures and kind of like merged them for this festival. And of course, alongside, there's always the foods. I can never ignore the foods. It's my favorite part. <laughs> Honestly, whether it was tacos or Vietnamese food, you had a little bit of everything. It really did. And my favorite part was the lucha libre part. I thought that was amazing. I had no, I mean, when you talk about the two cultures merging together and lucha libre kind of being like the front and center, I was like, whoa. I never thought I'd see this in Chandler. I've never seen lucha libre live in person. Have you guys? No. No. Nope. That was a first. <laughs> the, the theatrics of it. I mean, I think it's it's 
amazing. And like Rory, you mentioned the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never even seen the movie. I have to admit. Stop, Stop. Nikki. Nikki. Oh. Nikki. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for screen time with Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it really silly? Oh, it's silly, but it's amazing. All right. I guess I'm going to have to rent it this weekend. <laughs> Cece, you helped with the Asian uh, Village with our Multicultural Festival years and years ago. <laughs> and then kind of to come through and help see a larger event. How was that? So when we did the Asian Village in 2000, and I, I want to say it was 2018, 2019, the Asian community was super excited. And it was such a huge event. We planned it in less than a couple of months and everyone was super excited. The turnout was incredible. They said, we need to do this on a larger scale. And so you know, COVID kind of impacted that, but the city had really, you know, wanted to do something on a larger scale. So I'm super happy that uh, our community partner, James Park, came on board and he kind of planned this with our partnership. And so to see it full circle and like now have it at Tumbleweed, it's awesome. We have a lot of returning uh, performers. Serenity was at the Asian Village and now they were at um, the Moon Festival. And so it's it's really cool. And I think the coolest thing about diversity is... I just enjoy this, like to see the fusion, to see some of the similarities, but also the differences, like the, some how you can see how things connect a little bit, but then also the beauty and the differences. Yeah, the Asian Moon Fest really took Chandler Contigo to the next level. I mean, it went from Chandler Contigo to Chandler Con Nosotros. They really were very welcoming with all of us. They said, you know, not only are we with you, you're with us. And it was just awesome to see that blend of culture, people and community. It was a phenomenal event. Cisco, you're absolutely right. And James, again, shout out, snaps to James Park for thinking about including another community and making it happen. So we're halfway through Hispanic Heritage Month. We've talked about the events that have happened. What about the events that are happening? So right now we are in the midst of some Sunset Library-driven uh, events for Chandler Contigo that are going to be held at the Chandler Museum, which is a beautiful venue there in West Chandler. Like we said, we wanted a, a, a some events at every corner of the community that we could, and the Chandler Museum is a beautiful, beautiful venue, and they were more than willing to work with us, uh, the library staff, to hold some smaller, more family-oriented events. Uh, we're doing some readings, we're doing some film screenings, some cultural crafts and dance performances there, and we're really having something different each and every day. Not only is there diversity in culture, but we have some diversity in our curriculum as well. And you know, just like our Galveston event, you know, we wanted people who are from the community, who really represent Chandler, uh, to be as to have a voice and to be a part of planning this. So we were super fortunate to have Albert Kiwis, who's a poet laureate of Arizona, um, doing some readings firsthand in, interactively you know, with our attendees. And he wrote, a, he's a Chandler resident, wrote a couple of books and he's gonna read them, right? He did, he is going to read them. He's going to take, some, he's gonna take about 20 youth age kids and have them track their heritage, teach them the importance of understanding not just who you are, but where you came from and how that kind of forms your worldview. And, you know, take that in, in the most holistic and, and positive manner. That is awesome. Yeah, especially it's being someone that like doesn't really have, you know, like a written or like a, a vast knowledge of my family's history. Like if I had started when I was young and was able to ask, you know, the people before me more questions, that's so valuable to me. So I'm really excited that they're taking the time to do that with some of the youth. Absolutely. And Albert's story 
is a story that you can hear around every corner of Chandler. A resident who lives here, who went through everything, but is still as dedicated to this community. It's amazing to have him as an example for our attendees, for myself, and moving forward. De nuevo, Cisco platicó con el autor Albert Kiwis sobre cultura, sus libros, y Chandler. You know, I would just like to get a little bit about your, your personal background um, growing up. How, how, you, how did you get to where you are today? It's a journey, to say the least. I, um, <laughs> I, I was born here in Phoenix. I grew up in Tempe, and then we moved out to South Mountain, South Phoenix, 32nd Street and Vineyard. We had just a beautiful uh, experience growing up. We had horses, so they had agriculture. We had cotton, alfalfa. That's where the Japanese flower gardens were at. We had citrus. It was just a, a beautiful place. And every so often, several times during the year, my dad would go visit his brother in Eloy. I remember getting on baseline and just driving down the road, and we would go fields after fields after fields, and we drove to this little town that had an airplane in the middle of the park in downtown, and that was Chandler. Wow. That was my first experience, my first experience with Chandler. I felt like we I felt like we were halfway to Elo by the time we got there, and now today it's all part of this one big beautiful city and. Uh, we're all connected together. So I, I ended up moving uh, to Chandler in 1882. But prior to that, uh, I ended up going in the service, the military. I was in the United States Air Force for four years. I traveled throughout. And then when I came back, I graduated from ASU, and I got in, into the financial planning industry. And then eventually I ended up getting into writing books, and that's what I'm doing today. After all these years, I have found my passion. Wonderful, wonderful. So would you say that growing up so immersed in the Latino culture, you, you think that inspired your transition from finances to, to writing? Yeah, a series of events happened, you know, that uh, that made me realize that this was my uh, love and passion. I, I think my children's book I started out with is, uh, has to do with our culture, tradition, and being part of our heritage. And so over a period of time, the Sophia uh, and Pepe the Parrot adventure series is what I started writing. And so I have five books, and uh, the first one has to do with about Sophia's awesome tamale day. And so it's kind of the same story that every family, Hispanic family, goes through through the holidays, maybe before the holidays in preparing for tamales. And so I kind of like captured that experience. And, and so many people have, have said, God, that's, that's the way it was when I was growing up. That's what we did. I think I mentioned I'm from a small border town in southern Arizona. And, you know, growing up, you know, just totally immersed in, in that Latino culture. I remember my days in the masa section of the tamale assembly line for uh, family. The tamale line is there and it just, uh, I went through the whole process of how everybody, you know, the whole family, all different ages, you know, pitch in. And so this one lady says, you know what, I love this book because I want my granddaughters to know what I did when I was a little girl, when I was their age, what we did to make tamales. And so I, I, I found that to be like the highest compliment 
that you know wow. that this is the kind of book that's going to be carried on. That's amazing because there's not, you know, in my experience growing up as a Latino male, there has not been a lot of these stories um, told in children's literature, um, even on this side of the border. So I would ask you, you know, what inspired you to focus so much on on the, the Latino heritage, um, specifically in children's stories? I think I had a moment, and my moment was my mother had brought us together a few weeks before Christmas, and we were making tamales, and my mm-hmm. brother got into the matzah part of it. He was really trying to perfect the matzah, and I realized that this is a family tradition. And in a way of honoring my mother and our family tradition, I told her, Mom, I'm going to write this story. I'm going to write about our family tradition. And that was my life ball moment. And from there, I just grew and grew. And I've got a lot of support of people saying that there's a, a need for more stories that have, you know, the, the Mexican-American, Latino, Hispanic slant because there's not enough stories there. And it, it's challenging, but at the same time, it's very fulfilling. You spoke about, you know, experiences in youth. But you know, Chandler has such a vibrant community, and uh, we're just kind of curious what 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 made you select Chandler, and what keeps you so active, you know, in the Chandler community. I actually, the founder and the chairperson for the diversity committee was the Chandler Chamber of Commerce. I did that for about twelve years, and in that time, I had a chance to really not only understand Chandler, but also, you know, the the components of Chandler, how it all came together. So it's a very, you know, back in 1912, this is a just a, a planned community, and it really has blossomed since then. It's had some, you know, successes, but it also had some challenges too. And uh, from a commerce point of view, there's a lot of neat things that makes this vital community, the economy. It had just a wonderful history. You know, like I said, uh, I grew up. Latino, and I know the significance of these types of stories. Everything that you talked about, I was thinking of of times and situations in my own life where I encountered something similar, whether it's at a masa line or horse races and odd places. It's so refreshing to hear, and I commend you for your courage and your compassion for, for culture. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. So, like I said, we have a event almost every single day. We are lucky enough to have Miguel Angel Godoy, who is also a local Chandler resident who is a nationally recognized abstract artist. And he is going to be taking some of our attendees on how to emulate some abstract art with charcoal, really getting that bright, vibrant Latin art that, you know, is so well known. And just, you know, taking our, taking our attendees and showing them how to do that. He's lucky enough to be able to come out and do that. And then wrapping it all up with something as fun, because no, no Latin culture does anything without a little bit of a fiesta. So we're going to wrap up our event there on Saturday with a salsa dance performance and some cultural crafts. Uh, just again, just to recognize just how fun and, and, and welcoming this community is. Rory, what else is going on um, throughout the month? Yeah, I'm actually so jealous. Um, the salsa that's happening on Saturday, October 9th at the museum is going to be happening like during the day. So I'm going to kind of be dashing between things because also on Saturday, October 9th, um, we have the Community Resource Fair. Um, that's going to be happening at Compass Christian Church. And they are such gracious hosts as well. Like we've 
keep mentioning it's just really cool to see all these different people within the community be excited as excited as we are about Hispanic Heritage Month and really uh, bringing the community in so their facility uh, the bridge uh, which is a youth-centered family-centered facility it has like rock walls and basketball courts is going to be open and then we're also going to have some like fun inflatables and then of course all the resources you can imagine <laughs> um, hopefully to help some of our Hispanic families in the community um, get connected if they need to. Uh, so it, there'll be activities for the kiddos to be running around while mom and dad are over at the resources, maybe gathering information or signing their kids up for fun programs like soccer or um, robotics and STEM. Uh, we have quite a few different types of resources that will be there to serve the community and it should also be fun. We'll have some food trucks there and music and as always it's going to be a little fiesta of its own. <laughs> so wait did I hear you say that there's going to be rock climbing? Yeah I mean waivers pending of course you got to get those signed but yes if you sign your waiver as long as your parent guardian's there you can uh strap in and start rock climbing. <laughs> Whoa, Rory. Okay, and that's the church off of Germain and Alma School, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, they're right there. They're actually, um, they have programs all week long and it's free for the community. Um, so it's a really cool partnership because I think people will learn about this resource that's there for them um, and it's free. So anyone can kind of bring their, I believe the ages are 12 to 17 year olds. Um, to do fun activities. They have free tutoring throughout the week that's available for people. And Compass reached out to us, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that happen? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> Compass is has been an amazing partner. They've worked with us on multiple things, but they also have a Hispanic ministry. So um, as uh, their leader there, Miguel, has mentioned that uh, they have this Hispanic ministry because some people prefer like their spiritual service to be in Spanish. And he's talked about how much it brings together different Latin like people to one place. So we'll hear a little bit more from him as well. I got to sit down and uh, hear more of his story. So I know we kind of put a lot of events out there, but I think that's it, right? We got them all covered? For, for something that's relatively new to Chandler, this whole Chandler Contigo initiative, you know, this is the first year we've done this. And it's been phenomenal to see the community come together and be very, very supportive of this. Um, all this culture, all this community is just so significant. So I'm excited to see this grow. For sure. I mean, um, both of you, got, everyone's kind of nailed it that, yeah, we are the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office, but it only works with the community. And so um, the Galveston event, how to have so much community input in the planning and the organizing and Compass working with them and, and some of our other divisions. I mean, it's amazing to produce so many events in one little time frame and then to still want more. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you guys out in the community do. And if you haven't um, missed a couple of events, but there's still so many opportunities to go out there. We hope to see you there. So really quick, I'm going to transition now because we are talking about Chandler's diversity, equity and inclusion and why it's so important. So it was hard. It was during COVID. But right now, uh, or, but in 2020, we just finished the census and the Chandler census numbers are out. And what it tells us is that Chandler is such a diverse population. We can always say that. We try and show it. But um, our population numbers were, I'll just throw a couple easy ones, not to get too confusing. But our population is 275,000 people. That is the third largest city in Maricopa County, the fourth largest city in the state. So we are huge. There's Phoenix, Mesa, Tucson that are larger. Our Latino population, Hispanic Latino population, is over 62,000 people. So we're just about 23%. 
it's the largest population in Chandler. So I think it's important that we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month and do these Contigo events. I mean, I think that's amazing. I've seen it and it's cool to hear the numbers, you know, like you, you're out in the community, you're doing these events and you're seeing um, people that are residents of Chandler, but for it to be like confirmed in a statistic is just really cool because it's like, I knew it. <laughs> there were a lot of us. And, and just to, again, confirm between our Asian Moon Fest, <laughs> between that hybrid event, um, our Asian population is at just about 12%. So that's about 33,000 people. So our largest communities in Chandler are our Asian and our Hispanic. And our Asian population, besides Phoenix, is the largest in the state. So only Phoenix has a larger population in numbers and in percentage. So also one more interesting stat to throw out at you guys. Um, Chandler, between our um, black or African-American, our American Indian and Alaskan Native, Asian, Native Hawaiian, and people who indicated some other race or two or more races, those numbers calculate to 41.6%. So that is one of the largest in the state as well. That is huge. Right? So Chandler is almost, we're right there at 42%. We are almost 50-50 a diverse population. I think that's something to be proud of. Absolutely. And it just goes to show how important the work of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Office is for the city that we're representing a, a large population and beyond that, you know, all the different besides races and ethnicity populations that exist in this community. It's so heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, okay, we're going to, we got a single Cisco out on this one. But uh, me, Rory, and Cece grew up in Chandler. We are homegrown folks here. So, um, Rory? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, let's start from the beginning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've got about two minutes left. All right. Um, I, so, I went to Basha Elementary. Um, um, yes, it's in elementary school as well. It's hidden in a neighborhood. Now there's also Bash High that did not exist back in the day. And I also went to Bogle Junior High and then Hamilton High School. Go Huskies. I know CC went Go there Huskies. as well. Boo, <laughs> wolves all the oh, way. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I've grown up here my whole life with my, my family um, still here, obviously, in Chandler. And I love that I get to serve the community that made me who I am. That's kind of my tagline when people are like, why do you work for local government? <laughs> <laughs> like, let me tell you. Um, so it's been really cool. Um, some of my background, too, is like growing up, I was really far away from my Hispanic family. So that was a little rough. But there is such a strong Hispanic influence, I would say, in our community that I was able to reconnect, you know, through maybe not my family, but through people who felt like family. And so that's been really impactful in my life and being a part of Chandler. All right, Cece, you're up. So I grew up in downtown Chandler um, off of Saragossa Street in front of the Salvation Army. Um, so the nonprofit world has kind of always been in my sort of my background, but I didn't actually get into it until I was about like 15 years old. I went to Hamilton High. Go Huskies! Woo! Woo! <laughs> Winners of Arizona Avenue. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so go now you know working as a community resource specialist for the city it's kind of so rewarding you know to give back to the community um as a hispanic you know my parents really like showed me you know that hard work and education were like what was going to get me through and it really did i mean we we grew up in in a rough area in chandler at the back in the day it was pretty tough and so now you know working with those same residents of that neighborhood and, you know, trying to bring all these projects together and include the community, it's really amazing, and I love it. 
I grew up, I'm the older of the team, in Do- on Dobson and Warner, went to Goodman Elementary, and then I went to Anderson Junior High. So I love we represent all the junior highs we in Chandler. We really do. Willis over <laughs> here. I love that. Yeah. And then I went to Chandler High. Go Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Chandler, you know, when it was very small. I think we were at 150000 or less. So to see the growth, and I take so much pride in that Chandler is the big city that's still a small community that cares about each other and that, you know, appreciates each other. Rory, just kind of jumping on what you said, I grew up in a family that we we ate Mexican food, but I didn't listen to mariachis or cumbias until I started working in this office, until I started working for the city. And I went to the mariachi festival, and then I saw people dancing, and, and I really got a lot of my culture here from the city so um just echoing what you guys say it's it makes me so proud and it makes me um so happy that we can bring some of this back so cisco i'm not leaving you out (laughs) thank you thank you for being inclusive of my background as well shows you that chandler dei does this mission well yeah being new to the chandler community has been has been really eye-opening and refreshing i grew up in a small barrio border town in southern arizona you know, you, when you're just in that culture, you think you move up here to a huge, huge city, you know, the fourth biggest city in the state and the fifth biggest metro area in the country. And you think no one's going to care about mangonadas. No one's going to care to make a good Sonoran hot dog. No one's going to care, you know, to, li- to listen to some great cumbias. But when you do the work and you interact with these community members and in Chandler, such a such a very unique, unique connection that the local government and the nonprofits and really the community has. You know, it's been great to reconnect, and it's been great to see that and experience that. They could not be, they cannot have been as welcoming as they are, and I definitely appreciate that. Wonderful, wonderful. That's really good to hear. So um, we're about to wrap up. I mean, I think we've covered a lot. I do want to say to the community, like, hold us accountable. Like, you know, get involved, be engaged. Uh, we love to hear from other people. We love to bring the community together. That's what we're all about. And so I'm excited to continue doing that and learn new ways to do it better. Yeah, that's a wonderful sentiment, Rory. I mean, we're not the government, we're your government. You know, it's what you want from us. You know, just just tell us. I think we're, I think us four are pretty welcoming individuals. I think we're pretty happy. We try. And we love, <laughs> we try. Uh, just not too early on a Monday. Right? <laughs> um, I will say, I will jump in here. We, we laugh. We're, we're, uh, we're not morning people, our team. We love hearing from you because what you say really frames a lot of what we do. We wouldn't be able to do it without you and we won't be able to do it without your voice. So I encourage you to, to keep having your voice heard. That's the perfect segue, like Voices of Chandler. Voices of Chandler. Here we are. Oh, I didn't realize Yeah, that, that was good. Oh, you see, we do the work. We just do this in our sleep. <laughs> we oh, we it really just do. comes to us. <laughs> we are diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know? We, we don't just do this. Diversity. Yes, we, we breathe it. This isn't it just a job for us. I would like to thank our friends over in the DEI office for taking this episode over with such great content and information about their initiative, Chandler Contigo. If you want to learn more about them, go ahead and visit chandlerazgov forward slash diversity. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Mil gracias. This podcast is brought to you by the city of Chandler. If you want to check out anything that was talked about today, again, just visit us, tap in with us on all of our social medias. Check back sooner than later for another episode of Voices of Chandler, the podcast.
Gracias.